Thank you all the seniors and everybody. We appreciate that so much. And uh, I'm grateful he took place for me, aren't you? Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to, I'll be there in a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, I remember as a young Christian, and for a number of years, until you get strong, matured in the Word, you know, you go up, you go down, you go up, you go down. One day you have victory, next day you have defeat. <laughs> and uh, at least that's the way it was with me, and I think most. And until you grow, until you get the Word in you, until uh, you, you get the Spirit of God energized, activated in your life, and then you begin to have some more victory in your life. But I remember those times when uh, I would sin and I would beg God for forgiveness. I said, oh, God, please forgive me. And uh, the worse the sin, the harder I begged. And uh, I don't were you like that? I mean, if it was really a bad sin, I'd really beg. And uh, I'd beg and beg and ask him to forgive me and everything like that. And because I wanted to have that fellowship uh, with God, I didn't want that to be broken. And I felt like my sin had broken that fellowship. And so the title of my message this morning is this here. Our fellowship is not under law, but in grace. And that's a great statement, really. Our fellowship is not under law, but in grace. When we were saved, from that point on, number one, God will never review our sins. Never review our sins. Our forgiveness is so complete, he doesn't ever bring our sins up to review, ever. To him, it's over. Secondly, God will never seek more satisfaction ever again for our sins. The reason he won't, the Father's, been satisfied already once for all by what Christ, his son, accomplished on Calvary's cross. When Christ died on the cross, shed his blood, the father said, I accept that sacrifice as the final once for all payment for all of mankind's sins. Right from that moment. And then number three, God will never punish what he's already punished. He's already punished our sin. And the way he did that, Jesus Christ stood in our place. He dealt with all of our sins, and he was successful. Amen? He was successful. He died on the cross. He was buried. And because the Father accepted his sacrifice as the final payment, he rose from the grave alive victoriously, the conqueror. Now, when we believe in that gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we're freely forgiven. We're saved by grace through faith alone in the gospel alone. It's just that simple. And it's free to us. We just need to believe. You want to be saved today, know you're going to heaven one day, just believe Christ in the gospel and he'll save you today. Then also we were fully forgiven. We were forgiven from all our sins. Totally, completely. He gave, forgave all of our sin, our past sin, our present sin, and even our future sin. 
Now, when somebody hears our future sin, uh, does that mean we can live any way we want to? Well, God says, I want you to live the way I want you to live, my way. He says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now that's the way God wants us to live. And if we want to please God, and a Christian should, that's the way we try to live the best we can, with his help. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Grace there. And that grace teaching us, grace teaches us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world. You see, when you get saved, you get in the word, you get in the church, faith cometh by hearing, you begin to see what grace, how it operates in your life, and it leads you toward godliness. In other words, God's ways. That's where it leads us most of the time. Then when we were saved, we were everlastingly forgiven. Forgiveness is forever and eternal. We were irreversibly forgiven. In other words, once in Christ, always in Christ. Huh? Hear that? Once in Christ, always in Christ. No man's able to pluck us out of the Father's hands. We know that. And that position of being in Christ never, ever changes by anything we do. Amen? And then we were personally forgiven. Yes, Christ died for each person's sins, but it's when I come to the point, he died for my sins. Me personally. All of Jim Debney's sin. Christ died on the cross for all of them. All the sins that I've ever committed or ever will commit, he died for all of my sins. And because of that, Romans 3.24 says this, being justified, how? Freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Titus 1, 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God can't lie and he promises eternal life. Ephesians 1, 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, faith come by hearing, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And once you are in Christ, something wonderful happens. Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What he starts in you, he will finish in you. Isn't that good news? It's not this, that, if you do this. I do. He promised he's going to finish us. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. He originated it. 
and he's going to complete it. And then he says in Romans 8.30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And when he called you, by the way, he called you to believe in the gospel. And whom he called, them he also justified when you believe. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Already in the purpose and mind of God, when he saves one of us, he's already decided to glorify us. It's already a done deal. It hadn't happened yet, but it will happen because God has decreed that. Isn't that something? So if today you've been saved, you've been justified, that means because you've believed in the gospel, now you have a right standing before God. And he promises you, you will get to heaven one day in that glorified body. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. And he takes me by the hand. Mm, boy, it's going to be a good day, amen? Now, understand, since we're always in Christ, that also means we're always righteous in God's sight. My sins have been forgiven. I'm in Christ. Because I'm in Christ, the Father sees me righteous because I'm in his Son. Amen? Thus, our fellowship with God also is always intact. Here's a new truth that for some people to get a hold of. Our salvation and our fellowship with God also always remains intact. Our salvation and fellowship are permanent truths because of what Christ has accomplished. Our salvation, our fellowship, they're never dependent upon us, our doing, or anything. It's because of what Christ has done for us. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, God is faithful by whom you were called, now get this, unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He pictures them of being saved, and since they're saved, they're in the fellowship. Now, notice who he's talking to. He's not talking to wonderful believers in a sense. He's talking to believers who were carnal, very worldly, very fleshly, immorality, taking people to court, divorces, religion, battles, schisms. And he tells them they're in the fellowship just because they've been saved. But Christendom says this, if one is backslidden, he has unconfessed sin, then he has lost his fellowship with God. And what they need to do, they need to confess their sins to God or to man. They need to rededicate their lives to Christ, to the church, and be restored back to God. And if they don't do that, then they have no fellowship with God. God 
will give them a cold shoulder. God will or could smite them if he wants to with poverty, sickness, and even death because they won't make things right. Now, I wrote this down. Why do so many believers believe what I just said there? I used to teach that. What they're doing is they're trying to tell people to do what God tells Israel to do under law. And he never told us to do that. Israel lived under, now don't miss this, a performance-based acceptance system. Let me say that again. Israel lived under a performance-based acceptance system. Exodus 19, verse 3 through 5. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thou shalt, thou shalt thou say this, thus thou shalt say, to the house of Jacob, Israel, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. I delivered you out of Egypt. Now, therefore, if, don't forget that word, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then, there's an if, there's a then, ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. In that verse 5 there, God made Israel a proposal. And this proposal is the principle that summarizes the law of Moses. If Israel was obedient to the Ten Commandments and the other commandments, which are 614 commandments, that's why God, he knew they couldn't keep them. That's why he put the sacrificial system in. So when they failed, they could offer sacrifice, blood that would cover, right? But if Israel was obedient to the law, then, if, then they'd be blessed by God. But in that statement, there's the negative side. If they didn't obey the commandments, they could be cursed and even not be allowed to remain God's people. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all his commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. If you're obedient, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now this is amazing. If then. If not, you're in trouble. 
You see, believers today, when they've sinned, often the pattern in their lives and prayers after they pray after these verses. When they sin, they do just like David did in Psalm 51. They beg God to forgive them. Now let me just, before I go any further, why should I beg God to forgive me of my sin when he's already forgiven my sin? Huh? I just think that through sometimes. But they beg God to forgive their sin, to wash and to cleanse them from that sin. And then in that prayer that David does, and most people pray like, they come in verse 11, they're in trouble. Notice Psalm 51, verse 2 through 4. David says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I, I can't get it out of my thinking. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. What was the evil? Committed adultery and killed the adulteress's husband. Pretty bad, right? I've done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest, mightest be judged, justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Then verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And then they come to verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Hello? That's when you have, a lot of people say you can lose your salvation. They come to that verse then. Other Old Testament verses, Psalm 88, 14. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquity, sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now you read those, you think to yourself, man, that's bad. But remember this, those above verses I just used are only to Israel under law. God does withhold. He does hide. He does leave people. He does curse their disobedience. And the reason is, it's a performance-based system. And Israel chose herself to be under that system. Do you know Israel didn't have to be under the law? Do you know they could have chosen to be under faith as their father, father Abraham was? But yet they chose to be under the law. They say, all that you ask us to do, we will do, instead of going the faith way. It was their decision. Today's preachers and priests, they use some of these verses here to get their congregation to have them to do what they want them to do. They bark out, you should tithe. 
You should be baptized. You should come to the altar and confess your sins. And if you don't, you'll be cursed. They'll use Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. And they'll say, you certainly will have no fellowship with God until you do what I just told you to do. That's why religion, not rightly dividing, religion has robbed many believers to the truth of who the believer truly is in Christ and what they have in Christ. Many believe God saved them from the condemnation of the law by their becoming Christians. And then, stupidly, after they become Christians, many place themselves back under the law. Huh? Even though the Bible says, Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under what? The performance-based system. You're not under the law, but under grace. He says to some people that were doing that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. It was faith, wasn't it? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Why do you place yourself back under a performance-based system to be accepted by me when you're always accepted by me because you're in the beloved? Now, what I just said there was good, whether you got it or not. Amen? Now I'm coming down stretch. It's a short message today. With the body of Christ, our salvation and our fellowship with God are not dependent upon our performance. Our works of the flesh can never please God ever. That's why God took us out of that performance system. Amen? Understand, it was never our performance that established our relationship with God in the first place. It was our faith in the performance of Christ on Calvary's cross that did that. So it will never be our performance that maintains our fellowship with God. It's our faith in Christ's obedience in what he and he alone has accomplished for us. The law's performance system was given first to Israel. And when they failed, and they failed, in the Old Testament, in the four Gospels, Matthew through John, and Acts 1 through 8, and after they failed at that time, Israel was set aside temporarily. God replaced that system, that performance-based He replaced it 
was something way better. The dispensation of grace. That's what he's replaced it with. And the dispensation of grace that teaches us since all our sins have been forgiven. Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you how many? Just your past sins? Your future sins? All your sins. Okay, so since all our sins have been forgiven, then there's no sin that can affect our salvation or our fellowship with Almighty God. Because sin is never the question. Amen? Again, our fellowship is not conditional as Israel's was. It's not based up on our performance or our faithfulness, but it's based upon Christ's obedience, upon God's faithfulness of what he's accomplished in and for this new dispensation called grace. Amen? then why at times do we have the feeling God is so far away from us? At times you don't feel as close to God. There must be sin in my life. Well, if all your sins have been forgiven, that's not the deal. Perhaps we have little of the word of God in our life. Perhaps we have little prayer in our life. Perhaps we have little church in our life. Perhaps we have little other believers to encourage us in our Christian walk in our life. There are many reasons why. But simply, we've not been thinking in accordance with the word's truth of rightly divided. We've allowed the adversary, the deceiver, the world, the flesh, and religion to sidetrack our mind. We've allowed them to get us in that performance-based system, in our thinking, rather than the grace system. We need to remind ourselves of our identity in Jesus Christ and what that entails. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. We're under a new system, a system of grace and mercy and non-judgment. And that's why I say the reason we serve Christ is not out of duty. It's out of love for what we do have in Christ. Amen? 1 Corinthians 6.11 says this, And such were some of you, but since you've come to faith in the gospel, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, set apart unto God, but ye are justified, right standing before God, in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You're different now. Amen? 1 Corinthians and then Ephesians 4. That he tells us as believers that you put off concerning the former conversation, your old life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's the way we used to live. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Learn who you are in Christ. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, God says, listen, here's what you need to do if you want to be close, empowered, filled with the spirit of God in your life. Put off the old man. Put off your old sinful habits. Read the Bible. Learn what the new habits you should begin to be placed in your life. And then when you put those things that tend to push you more toward God, you'll become a godly, holy person. Just that simple. Once again, 1 Corinthians 1.9. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's uh, verse 19. I needed verse 9. That says, we've been called into the, thank you. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are called into salvation, of course, but into a partnership with Jesus Christ. And we always have that partnership because of the finished work of Christ. Not because of what I have done or I have to do. It's a set truth. Just like you're sealed, that's a set truth. We also have fellowship with God. That's a set truth. I close with this. Somebody said this. I thought it was good. Someone said, his blood accomplished supplements. I'm sorry. His blood accomplished supplements our lack of perfection. His blood is always flowing on heaven's altar. We personally believe Christ collected up his blood and took it to the heavenly mercy seat in heaven. Hebrews teaches that. That when a believer sins, that sin, it can't stay in or with him because the moment he sins, Christ's blood is so honored in heaven, it constantly is on the life of a believer to his account. Keeping him, now get this, <coughs> I think this is good, keeping him always clean and secure in Christ because of the blood. Now, don't miss this next last statement. Always forgiven means always in fellowship. Did you hear that?
always forgiven. We don't have to answer for any sin. Always in fellowship. So it's time that we believers stop beating ourselves, our heads up against the wall and putting ourselves down constantly. Oh, I'm out of fellowship with God. We just acknowledge God's greatness. We acknowledge, yeah, we've sinned, but I'm grateful, God, I know that all my sin has been forgiven. Amen. I know that, and as a result of that, that fellowship has continued, even when we don't deserve it. Okay, I, I know that 100%. We don't deserve it, but that is something that is only in the dispensation of grace today. We live in a way better time under a way better system than Israel did under the law. And I just want to thank God this morning and praise him. I'm grateful for what he's done and I'm grateful for who he is and I just can't do enough to just uh, I want to please him now. I know he died for me and did all these things to have these things for me in my position in Christ. Now the least I can do as the song says, the least I can do is live for him. I want to live for him because I'm so grateful. I don't deserve these blessings that God gives me. But thank God I'm going to take them and I'm going to move on for him. And if you failed, stop beating yourself up and start thanking God for the provision he's made for you through his finished work. Father, we love you. We thank you for salvation and we're also thankful for fellowship. We're thankful for these permanent truths that are fixed, that are stated for the believer in Christ, those truths will always stand. And as a result of that, Lord, it's not the condition that we can go out and sin more, but it's the condition we will go out, serve, love you, and sin less because we love you. And when we do sin, we're thankful for the active blood of Christ to our account that takes care of it all. Total forgiveness means total fellowship. Thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said. We hope you received a blessing from today's service. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpindy.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. For more options to watch, just click On Demand on the website. Until next broadcast, may God bless you is our prayer.